Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Like everyone else, I had to quick adjust strategies and shift to more virtual programming. So um, I've done some virtual workshops with kids, reading sessions, talking about books, um, things of that nature. I found that to be very effective and potentially is more of a long-term solution. Even as we kind of slowly get out of, you know, the pandemic and return to some sense of normalcy, I think there are ways for us to really leverage technology and really meet you where they are. How you day, how you day. That was the voice of Erica Austin. And Erica, as you'll find out in the episode, is an author, speaker, and social influencer. But in today's episode, we talk about her journey to becoming those three things, as well as how she's inspiring the youth to reach their highest potential. That's her greatest passion. She has a unique program where she does this. So if you or anyone else is interested in helping with projects like this, that's why I have episodes like this. This is also building up on Coach D's episode last week, where we talked about different ways to connect kids with uh you know, their passions and, you know, about two episodes before that or an episode before that. Uh, I'm not sure when these episodes are going to run, but I introduce you to Learn Life, which is also another form of education. So a lot of this month has been focused on alternative forms of education and, and showing youth different ways to, you know, to get back into the groove of things. And it's done strategically. We are in the month where people are getting back to school, depending on where you are in the world. So I just wanted to give you all different options. So check the links in the bio. Other than that, please say hi, leave reviews. It does help with the visibility. Enjoy the episode. Welcome everyone to another episode of As Told by Nomads. And today's guest is Erica Austin. Now, Erica is a powerhouse public speaker and author with a leading and recognized philosophy of building up our youth to harness their power and design fulfilling, healthy, and positive lives for themselves every day. Having published her first book at the age of nine, Erica has dedicated her life to youth development through empowerment and faith. Her award-winning book, What Every Child Should Know About Prayer from a Child's Point of View, was the beginning of a legacy to motivate and empower youth with practical self-empowering strategies through education, building on life, and leadership skills. Welcome to the show, Erica. Thanks so much for having me. It's, it's truly my honor. This is awesome. Well, the pleasure is mine, but I got to start off with that nine-year-old self of yours. You, you 
<laughs> published your first book at nine. What, what were you doing? How did you come up with an idea at that young of an age? Yeah, yeah. I, great question. I get it often. Um, so um, I was inspired by a film. Um, I'm kind of dating myself. Some of you may recall. I'm sure you do, Teo. But um, there's this movie called Harriet the Spy. Uh, that came out years ago. And the gist of the movie is it was about a young girl who loved to spy on people and she would record her findings. I was more so interested in her passion for writing. Um, so after the film, uh, my father and I were driving home and I turned to him and I'm like, Dad, you know, I think I want to write a book. And he looked at me the way I'm sure most parents would look at their nine-year-old if their child suddenly proclaimed they wanted to write a book. And, um, you know, he said, well, Erica, what do you want to write about? Um, I took a long pause and I said, you know, Dad, I think I would like to write a book for children about prayer. Um, and the background behind that is, you know, I grew up in the church, having been raised with a very strong spiritual foundation. So at a very early age, and you know, I was accustomed to going to church and praying and kind of knew those fundamentals. And essentially I wanted to share my faith with other young children in hopes of inspiring them to establish their own relationship with God and to embrace, you know, the practice of prayer. So my father um, was pretty excited about my idea. Um, he took me to a local pharmacy um, to pick up, you know, just a tablet and a box of pencils, old school writing days, no fancy laptop or anything of that sort. Um, immediately went home and started working on, you know, the chapters for what would become what every child should know about prayer. Um, I'm jumping ahead, but I will just quickly say, Teo, you know, I published back in the, the mid 1990s. So this was an era where mainstream publishers were simply not accustomed to publishing books written by child authors. It just wasn't unheard of. You're seeing more stories about child authors now um, in modern day, but um, that was not the case when I got started. And so there were a lot of barriers to getting published and, and, and sharing my story, but, um, you know, ended up getting published. It took a year of, of trying to find the right publisher, but finally found a publisher who believed in my story, believed in the vision, believed that it could be an inspiration to so many other youth. And that's how I got started. Wow. Okay. And so once you got started there, it sounds like your dad played a big role in, in that, whether it was through mentorship and, you know, you know, encouraging you. I, I'm curious to, to think from your perspective, what to hear from your perspective, what you thought your life would be like from then on, you know, you, you publish your first book, you get a publisher and you're, you know, I'm, I imagine you're doing some publicity around that. Do you see yourself as an author when you're that young, or do you think, whoa, this is the beginning of a multifaceted career, and this is just going to be a platform for me to do more. Yeah, another awesome question. Um, I love it. Um, when I came up with the vision to write whatever child should about prayer, um, I was just inspired, but I wasn't thinking about the implications. <laughs> <laughs> of my inspiration and what that would mean. And so, you know, my father, you know, he has the sales background. Um, so essentially he kind of served as my de facto agent, so to speak. And as he started, you know, publicizing the book and getting the word out there to churches and community-based organizations, um, uh, word traveled through, you know, the city of Atlanta, which is where I grew up. And essentially I became 
this child prodigy. Mm. And um, it was a lot because I was very, very busy. I was doing speaking engagements and book signings. And um, I kind of fell into public speaking. I, you know, at a young age, I, I, I did not realize that, wow, I'm kind of creating a, I don't want to say a career because my intentions have and have always been very genuine. But, you know, when you write a book, people oftentimes want to invite you to talk about it. <laughs> this is <laughs> so, true. This is very true. <laughs> so I wasn't seeing all of that at nine, but, you know, there's going to be a lot to this and just you wait. Um, but, you know, I really just kind of, you know, owned my 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 work. Um, I, I've always been very passionate about youth empowerment. Um, and just to this day, you know, I get letters from 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 kids who are now my age or maybe yeah. even older saying, you know, I remember you spoke at my church and, wow. you know, you inspired me to share my story. <laughs> well, let's talk about youth empowerment and the importance of education. What, how is it important today? Because I know we we hear the cliche thing, you know, everybody, I think, intellectually believes education is important, but I get the sense that you have a different approach to the importance of education and how it can be applied. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's also a very complicated one because, you know, the reality is, is that so many communities um, don't have access to quality education. Um, the educational system in the United States is very fragmented, right? Because mm. it's oftentimes driven by um, local politics and just the affluence of a particular community and how taxpayer resources are allocated. Um, I believe that it really does take a village of stakeholders like you and I and others who truly believe in this work to come together and provide our youth with you know, the solutions to recognize their potential to achieve greatness. And so from a tactical perspective, um, my company, ECRA, Growth and Educational Services, we do just that. So I recently launched um, a Youth Entrepreneurship Academy that provides young people with the fundamentals um, to learn about, you know, becoming a um, business owner in their communities. Um, I'm also an advocate for um, youth education. Um, I was an AmeriCorps member, so I've worked in the most disenfranchised communities in our nation's capital, a place where there's so much wealth and prestige, where laws are being made, but there's still high degrees of poverty um, and, and, and low quality educational systems. And I want to be a person that helps to bridge that gap. Oh, I love that. And, and with your company, you know, I, I know that you, literacy is a big part of what you're doing, right? And leadership skills. So why does literacy matter and how should we be doing better about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think we need to help change the narrative about literacy um, to get our young people invested in reading more. It sounds another cliche statement, but it couldn't be farther from the truth. It's so important. And I think there are ways that we can do that. I think there are, you know, social media campaigns that could be employed. Um, I was once talking to someone um, who's pretty well regarded in the community as an influencer um, about launching a national literacy campaign that is youth oriented and thinking through how do we create messages that resonate with a younger audience. Um, that's really, really important. Um, you know, partnering with, you know, the indie bookstores, um, you know, because they do a lot with, you know, community-based organizations where we can get youth engaged in this work, you know, through readings. And, you know, I think we're, we're, 
we're heading in the right direction because there are so many influencers that have recently published books. So, um, and they have a built-in audience of young people who follow them. And so this is how we make reading cool and get more youth invested in this, in this work. Okay. And with the pandemic happening, I know we're, um, thankfully, hopefully, uh, on the, you know, facing the end of it, but how has the pandemic affected your business? Were you able to, you know, provide literacy tools to many who needed it and empower the youth and, you know, virtually? Absolutely. So um, like everyone else, um, I had to quickly um, adjust um, strategies and shift to more virtual programming. So um, I've done some virtual workshops with kids, reading sessions, talking about books, um, things of that nature. I found that to be very effective and potentially um, is more of a long-term solution. Um, even as we kind of slowly get out of, you know, the pandemic and return to some sense of normalcy, um, I think there are ways for us to really leverage technology and really meet youth where they are. And yeah. <laughs> oftentimes it's digitally. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Just wanted to stop by here before we get back to the episode. I wanted to let you all know that I do have a collective for people who are interested in developing their cultural competency skills, becoming more anti-racist. And it's a resource of things that you can do with your family, with your school, with yourself to work through your individual journey to become a better culturally competent leader. It's called UID Collective. And the link is in the show notes, but it's a mix of courses. It's a mix of resources, things you can download. And all you need to do is sign up as a member. It's a monthly membership. I'd love for you to check it out. Use it with your friends. Use it with your family. Use it with yourself. Okay? The link is in the show notes. It's called UID Collective. And it's for those of you that want to improve your cultural competency skills. Back to the episode. But, you know, the interest, and I live in New York, so there were some interesting equity conversations that came into play, like the access to Wi-Fi, uh, access to, to education, you know, via computer. And then, you know, the other responsibilities that a lot of kids have depending on where they, you know, uh, you know, they are and where they live. Right. So socioeconomic uh, backgrounds come to play here. That the reason I'm bringing that up is because the, of the stereotype that exists that, you know, people in certain socioeconomic backgrounds won't be able to read at a certain level. Is there a way to bridge and, you know, bridge these divides and provide access to resources as we become more digital, you know, so we don't forget and widen the gap between um, kids at such a young age? Yeah, um, that's a great question as well. I think that the short answer is that we have to have tailored solutions. You know, even in the digital age, there's mm. still 
many, many communities that don't have access to technology to tune into these Zoom conversations. It's a little presumptuous for anyone in this work to assume that that's the case. And so um, we have to meet people where they are. Sometimes it literally means once it's, you know, safe and and, and and appropriate to do so, getting back to these in-person conversations. Um, when I worked as an AmeriCorps member for over two years, actually, um, I worked in some of the most impoverished crime-ridden communities. Um, it was a situation where children were well below the um, the their academic standard, reading well below grade level, like grades below. Um, and so we offered a after school academic enrichment program, which I, you know, led um, over a series of months um, that has been very effective because when you realize that, you know, we're invested in their success, um, it also encourages them um, to help themselves, right, and become more invested in their own education and welfare. So um, that's really my approach with respect to youth development. No, I love that. But I guess who's the person to work with on? Is it the superintendent? Uh, is it the principals? Who are the people to work on? Because I don't know. Sure. I mean, it's really an ecosystem. But, you know, I will say that um, if you want to get involved, you know, AmeriCorps is a national community service organization. Um, they already have inroads to the local school systems and the other nonprofits that are working in this space. And so we don't necessarily have to um, replicate the will, so to speak. Um, we can leverage, you know, the inroads we already have access to. So when I was an AmeriCorps um, program member, they already had partnerships with the school systems. They already were funded to do this work, and they essentially attracted college students to serve as academic enrichment coordinators. Or tutors. Okay. Okay. So it's about getting involved. Yeah. It's not getting it wrong. You're saying don't don't duplicate or replicate something that might be already in existence. That's what you're saying. Yeah, I think these frameworks are already in place. I mean, of course, there's you know, if you find that you want to start your own nonprofit to do this work, you know, because there's some unmet community level need, I encourage that. I think that's wonderful. But what you'll find when you're truly invested in this work is that there's already an ecosystem of folks that are really invested in youth empowerment, youth development. They have the sophisticated tools, the systems, the frameworks in place, and they're just looking for people to get involved as supporters because this is a collective movement. Yeah. It's beyond just one person. Yeah. And then another way people can, you know, collectively work together is through your ECRA Youth Entrepreneurship Academy. You touched on it lightly before. But it, from what I'm looking at on your website, it's a four-week educational program that takes students in grade six to grade 12. So it's six to 12. For, uh, that's middle school or high school, I'm guessing, right? That's, uh, yeah, that, that's it. Yeah. Why that age? What, what, what do you find about that age? Sure. I, I think it's a, it's a prime age when youth are really thinking about, well, number one, they have the maturity to start thinking about you know, um, their life beyond just being a kid. Um, and what that means. Um, I think there are a lot of great messages about, you know, the value of entrepreneurship, the value of leveraging your gifts and your talents and putting it 
into the world in the form of a service. Um, I think that message resonates very clearly with this identified audience. And so I really like to capture youth during their formative years where they're exploring yeah. and they're thinking about the possibilities. That's when you strike <laughs> it's a big part on the of youth development you front. Yeah, the, the formative yeah. years and that transition, that transition to adulthood. I mean, if you, you take it all the way there, uh, you know, it sounds like your program is giving them not only frameworks, but you're helping to cultivate the ideas as they discover who they are. That's exactly what we're doing. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better. Yeah. <laughs> now, now I, as I saw that you said the entrepreneurship mindset in our, in our young uh, people. So I'm, it, it, when I'm, I'm looking at this, you, you're, it's four weeks. Is it during, you know, talk more about it. Uh, what is in the program? How can people listening get involved i know it's based in the united states for now but what are the ways that people can get involved and when is the prime time or is it year round excellent question so the ecra youth entrepreneurship academy um, as you mentioned it's a four-week immersive program for students in grades um, six through twelve um, we have a cadre of seasoned highly experienced business leaders and um um, entrepreneurs um, who are already owning, who already own thriving businesses, and they're looking for ways to pay it forward to our young people. Um, because of the pandemic, we've naturally shifted to a virtual platform, which means we can engage, you know, beyond just, you know, um, our domestic boundaries, and we'll certainly work through those logistics. But um, I'm really excited about this effort because we. The curriculum is based on a gradual approach to immersing students in the framework of being an entrepreneur. So we start with topics such as how to create a business plan. Um, once you do that, how do you start looking for funding? What are the different types of business structures, LLC versus you know nonprofit or sole proprietorship? Um, if you have a business where there are products involved, you know how do you exhibit um, your 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 business, right? Um, and certain convenings. How do you pitch your business? You know, if someone says, hey, I got two seconds or two minutes rather, tell me what your business is all about. What's that elevator speech look like for you? And how do you build a business model that is sustainable? Because so many, as you know, small businesses fail within their first year. So we want to avoid those pitfalls. I mean, the, this look, this is so important for many kids. I, I know myself as a young uh, person during my formative years, I was always curious about outlets and where I could find pieces of information. But I felt like the institutions I was in only gave me maybe one or two, maybe three ideas of who I could be, lawyer, doctor, engineer. Uh, and so uh, it, it was always limiting for me. So it's very cool to see that this exists. Uh, and, and I'm glad that people are getting access to, to this at such a young age. Thank you. Um, we're looking for, you know, instructors who want to be a part of this movement. This is a movement. Um, we're, we're always looking for youth who want to sign up. We want parents involved, guardians, community-based organizations. Um, let's, let's invest in our young people. Okay. Okay. Now, where can people find out more about this? Absolutely. Um, it's pretty simple. Uh, www.ericaaustin.com. Um, okay. There is a landing page that talks all about the ECRA Youth Entrepreneurship Academy and how to get involved, which includes a pretty straightforward registration page. So um, hope to, to get more people invested in this work. No yeah. problem.
Um, <laughs> well, it sounds like you have sessions, right? Based on seasons. I'm seeing a spring session here, so I'm guessing the fall session is the next one coming up, or do you do summer or well? Yeah, sure. So um, we are looking to to pilot this in late August. Okay. Um, we've had to, to do some shifts, you know, due to some instructor um, issues, but we are wanting to get more folks signed up, invested, and we're looking for the formal rollout to happen um, late August. Okay. So more details on that coming soon. Yeah. All right. So just basically follow through on the on the website. And then uh, yes. you know you stay you stay up today. All right. Um, well, I have a final question that I always ask my guests. And my guests, uh, and the question is this: How do you, Erica, use your difference to make a difference? How do I use my difference to make a difference? Yeah. Yeah, that's that. my mission statement. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, it's, you know, this has been my life's work. Um, I believe when you're genuinely passionate about something, um, you know, it, the energy, um, the ingenuity, it really comes naturally. Um, I believe, though, I build my difference by just keeping on keeping on. <laughs> um, I talk to youth. I ground truth my thinking um, with, you know, my primary audience, which is youth. Um, because I believe in, you know, the importance of youth voice, um, tailoring our solutions from the perspective of young people, right? Their needs, their interest areas, their concerns. That's what this work is all about. So um, I don't necessarily want to be known. I, I don't want to be known for being important. I want to be, I want to be known for doing important work. That's, right? a, that's, so, that's a good you know, distinction. That's yeah. a definitely good yeah, distinction. Yeah, right? So going outside of myself and realizing this is so much bigger than me at the individual level. This is a movement because these societal issues and concerns are so complex. They require so many resources. So how do we do this work together more effectively? That's yeah. what I'm all about. You yeah. Use your difference to make a difference by keeping on, keeping on, and uh, you want the work. <laughs> you want the work that you're doing to uh, to matter, and that's a that's a very good place to be. So, uh, thank you very much. I'll make sure I put every single one of these in the show notes because these are certainly important things that we all need to be aware of. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll let you know when it comes up. But I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Wonderful. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a true pleasure. The pleasure is mine and kings, queens, and royalty. Till next time, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher.